3: Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. And this week's show is going to be a slightly different format. Rather than just having one full main interview, I'm going to have four smaller interviews. So um, when I was at the APP conference this past July, I was just carrying around my little portable Zoom recorder... And whenever I'd have the opportunity, I'd kind of step off to the side and and chat with people a little bit. I I posted an episode uh, a few weeks, months, however long ago back, where it had a couple different sections, you know, John Robertson and Danny Greenwood. And and this one is going to be kind of similar to that. So I'm going to start off uh, catching up with Logan Wright, a a piercer and regular APP volunteer out of Tennessee. Then uh, as I was walking around the expo floor when they were kind of setting up before things had opened up, I stopped at the One Tribe booth. I just always like to drool over the jewelry because their designs are so amazing. And I talked to Jared Carnes a little bit and got a little bit of insight about uh, their their creative process. And then uh, I kind of hung out with Joeltron for a minute, chatted with him, um, got a, a couple uh, different ideas and perspective about um, just you know different issues that you'll, you'll hear. And then after that, I talked to Coyote Black uh, and also that's one of the coolest names, Coyote Black. Um, we kind of talked about different ancillary services uh, related to body piercing. So, uh, I'm going to break those up into four little sections for you. As far as uh, catching up what's going on with me, uh just a few days I'm going to head out to uh the Portland, Oregon uh, seminar. And then after that, I'm going to be home for two days and then I'm going off to, to Paris. So it's going to be a couple of good weeks for me doing some fun stuff. Uh, I also finalized that class in Nashville. It went from, hmm, I wonder if I could do a class in Nashville to like registering people for a class in Nashville like a day later. So... January 7th and 8th it's going to be a Monday and a Tuesday so I'm gonna switch it up a little bit on my classes normally I rent a larger venue and I just kinda of pack them in you know try to get 20-30 people in there um, this is going to be a little bit different you would think that Nashville would have a lot of cheap venues you could rent because of all the different music going on there but it's like five hundred dollars for a four-hour block for just about any venue kinda of pricey for me so Uh, I wanted to be able to keep the costs affordable for everybody and this is really just kind of an add-on because I'm going out for a wrestling show. Uh, So all I did was I just rented a a full-size house on Airbnb with a a pretty big living room. Going to split it up. I'm going to do uh, two smaller seminars. It'll be the full understanding and applying freehand piercing techniques class that I normally do, Uh, but it'll be in in kind of a a smaller, more intimate uh, atmosphere. I'm only going to book, uh, you know, eight or ten people per day. And then I'll do uh, one session on Monday, one session on Tuesday, and then I'll head home. So uh, if you're anywhere in that Nashville, Tennessee area, or if you're uh, you know up for driving to Nashville, Tennessee, that class is open for registration now. You can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. Or you can search Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook, and you can get the events on there. Uh, classes open right now, and uh, I think it'll be pretty fun. I've already got uh, probably half the classes booked up right now, so I think they're going to book up fast. If you're interested, kind of jump on it now. Uh, I, these aren't going to be big classes, and it's really just kind of like an add-on thing. I just wanted to be low stress and fun. I didn't want to have to deal with a venue or anything massive like that. Uh, yesterday was uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving and uh, piercer Victoria Rothman uh, came out and, and was visiting, uh, visiting her family and, and decided to come up and shadow a little bit. And so we decided, you know, hey, you know, how about we meet up before work and we'll record a little podcast interview. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about some some heavy subjects, uh, you know, months back, like shortly after conference because of some tension that was in the air there with, with different attendees. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of talked about maybe doing a podcast on... Um, equality, you know, racial equality, gender equality, things like that. And then I just—I pulled a Ryan moment. Forgot that that was really the subject that we had we had planned on talking about. So when Victoria came up, uh, I was just like, "Oh yeah, yeah. What do you want to talk about?" And she's like, "Well, you know, yeah. I was thinking we could we could talk about like you know racial equality." And I was like, "Oh God!" It was like that's really a hell of a way to start off a Saturday. But um, it was a really good conversation. Um, difficult conversation to to um, you know capture. and and put together for a show. So rather than that going up this week, that's going to go up next week. So while I'm in Portland, uh, that will be the episode that airs. I'm going to need a few days to um, edit it down. There were a couple of times where we kind of stopped and started over again, you know, heavy subjects uh, talking about that stuff. So I really want to put some time into it, you know, give it the uh, attention it deserves and make make sure that the episode is put together as well as as I can do it. So uh, let's get into this episode. And uh, the first one up is going to be Logan Wright. All right. Go ahead and introduce yourself.
2: Well, uh, I'm Logan Wright. I own a piercing studio in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. No bragging. (laughs) Hey, I'm proud of it. Uh, Just uh, Instagram's piercing underscore by underscore Logan or Logan Wright on Facebook. How many years have you been coming here? This is my... Third? Fourth? Fifth. Fifth year. Fifth year.
3: And your first year was as a scholar. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how is your conference experience like changing year to year? Do you feel like you're getting more intertwined with like the volunteer family, the backstage stuff? Do you feel like you're getting more intertwined with the classroom stuff or the attendees? Like, what's your jam when you're here?
2: Uh, honestly, I I couldn't imagine doing anything other than volunteering. Uh, it keeps me busy, fast paced. Like I like to be at home, and. I, this is my first year, I'm actually working with registration, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to change it up a little bit compared to what I'm usually doing. What do you normally do, like runner stuff? Uh, yeah, runner stuff. Just, you know, line wrangle, work doors and stuff like that, make mm-hmm. sure people are in the right place. But I had mentioned last year that I wanted to be a little busier than that this year, so... <laughs> Don't ever tell <laughs> yeah Caitlin I know. that you want to be a little busier. Yeah, I know. I made that mistake. But yeah. I'll own up to it. It's fun. Yeah. You know, gets me out of Tennessee for a week, so. That's cool. Why I not? Mean, yeah, it's like you get to come
3: here and see all your friends.
2: Yeah, as long as I don't uh, have this congestion because it's Las Vegas and it hates me.
3: Yeah, did your did <laughs> did like did you have that congestion on the plane? Is it all like inside just your head It just feels now? like my
2: face is going to blow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that all great. the time when I fly. It's awesome.
3: <laughs> so what are you looking forward to for the week for classes? Is there anything that like jumps <sighs> out at you?
2: Honestly, I'm really interested in the uh, International Suspension Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, get together Um, I've just recently started really getting into suspensions I've done a couple over the last couple years so that and uh, I've got a few other classes that I'm pretty interested in taking I'm trying to change up and not take the same classes that I took last year and the year before so just trying to open up to what I like and explore some things. That's cool.
3: Do you, do you think, like, on the horizon, you would ever want to try to teach a class or get involved with them that way?
2: Uh, I actually was talking to someone earlier this week about maybe proposing something for next year. Cool. I don't know. I feel like I need to Let's submit my membership before I do that. Yeah, that would be helpful. <laughs> I, I
3: I instructed a without being a member for the, like a year or two, and everybody just kind of looked at me one way, and they're like, "Come on, just join already."
2: Yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, I've I've followed all the you know minimal stipulations of you know what the organization wants. I just haven't sent my stuff in. Lazy, yeah. lazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. I know it is. I uh, just let. Things get pushed to the side.
3: Yeah, that's okay. I think we all do that. I, I think it took me maybe like a year to fin- like fill out my entire questionnaire. Yeah. For the membership like that. I think that's the slowest part. I know people always get really intimidated about the video, but I think it's the questionnaire that slows a lot of people down
2: sometimes. That's more what mine is. I mean, I don't really care to shoot a video. I can talk in front of people. That doesn't bother me. Yeah. It's questionnaires. It's like a test. I always think I'm going to flunk a test. Yeah. <laughs> so it's intimidating. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those.
3: How's registration coming along? Is it uh,
2: chaos still? Is actually, it no. Come together? It's starting to really come together. I think they've really... F- uh, this is my first year with it, but from what I can tell, they've really fine-tuned exactly what has to happen. Yeah. And so it's running like a well-oiled machine. Even when I'm new, it's easy enough to stick me somewhere.
3: Yeah. You, I mean, you have, like, an incredibly strong team of volunteers with with who all is back here for exactly. registration. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And, like, they really... They know exactly where everything's at, what it, what it does, where it goes. Good. I mean, so it's easy. So in theory...
3: It'll all work great until you have a thousand people in a line.
2: Well, tomorrow. this year we had a thousand pre register. Wow. So last year we only had right over 1,100, yeah. I think, a full, like overall. Yeah. And right. last year we had 700 and something pre register. Wow. So we'll okay. see how big this year is when we already have a thousand pre register. So
3: you might have, like, I don't know, 1,500 yeah. or something this year. That's pretty nuts. So we'll see. I used to come to this conference and there would be like 400. Five hundred people here, and it was just like, oh man!
2: My first conference there was uh, there was seven hundred. Yeah, yeah. My first one there was like seven hundred people.
3: Well, uh, maybe someday we can match the uh, the Outlander
2: convention did you see that I'm thinking about it yeah that 2500 person convention yeah Yeah. there
3: there was one year I forget which hotel it was at but it was a couple of years ago we had our entire area for our conference and then there was uh, another section that was probably four times as big as that for the national dart convention and we were like oh okay that (laughs) that sounds pretty awesome yeah I mean, you know, we both like hit things with sharp implements. Yeah, so it's all yeah. kind of the same. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go and get some food. But uh, go good for it. To me. Oh
2: yeah, it was a pleasure.
4: My name is Jared Carnes. I'm the owner and maker at One Tribe. Uh, founded in 2003 in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we've got a fully commerce website at onetribe.nu, and then Instagram One Tribe Jewelry. That's the
3: primary outlet for all the fun process stuff that's happening daily in the workshop. So I was just kind of walking by and checking out your stuff. You know, this is one of the tables that I always really like to get a good look at every year, just because your your designs are really innovative. Uh, what's your What are your new lines this year? Uh, so fresh for this year, I've got the Soma spools, uh, ear spool
4: concept in a trillion shape. Two versions: one that has a pretty wild trillion, sort of spiral, on both sides, and the other with a large, uh, three-sided trillion stone setting. um, That's very accommodating for doublets and triplets, uh, which are multi-stone layered inlays that give a lot of interesting depth and color play. Could Uh, you explain
3: that process a little bit again? Because I found it really fascinating. Sure. Yeah. So layers of stone. The concept is called a doublet
4: or a triplet. The name just refers to the number of layers uh, in the final piece. Uh, Originally, they were made to be able to make very fragile materials, like opal, uh, a lot stronger so that you can work them and wear them. Um, So traditionally, you would take a thin slice of something like opal and use just sort of a junk stone that's harder as a backer, so you adhere the two together and then you could work or wear the opal and Mm -hmm. it's not quite so fragile. Um, I've been really interested in that for a while and started thinking about the different ways that you could utilize multiple layers for light play, Mm -hmm. for changing colors, things like using stones as literal color gels to, you know, shift the hue. Um, And then just playing with really beautiful combinations like rutilated quartz over lapis and Mm -hmm. getting the gold needles um, over the blue, things like that. The process is pretty simple. Um, it's just very time consuming. It involves cutting thin slices of a material. How
3: do you do that? Is it like. On a, a stone kind of saw.
4: Yeah, or? so I, I have two stone saws. One is manual, mm. uh, much like a uh, table saw, which you might use in a wood workshop. just has a thin blade that's coated in diamond. So mm. rather than having teeth uh, and cutting, it's. More of an abrasive. abrasive. Right. Exactly, yeah. And the other saw is larger and fully enclosed, it's cooled by mineral oil. And it has an auto feed on it, and so for that one, you clamp a larger stone into it, and then you have a vice that moves back and forth and side to side with a cranking action, and hmm. you can get really specific about what section of the piece you know that you want to cut off. Yeah. Um, so just kind of set that up, set the chain so it cuts itself off when the cut is done, run it through, and pull however many slices you know are needed. How um, thin are
3: we talking on slices of like half a millimeter? No. Millimeter? So
4: the interesting thing about that is that. There are a lot of stones that you really can't cut as thin as you might need. Mm-hmm. But once you get to the adhering process with a doublet, you can grind that stone okay. as thin as you need to. Okay. So the backs of some of these quartz and lapis doublets, the lapis layer is like two tenths of a millimeter yeah. thick. Yeah. It's insanely thin. Right. You can't cut that, it mm-hmm. would just crumble. To but you just once you've down. got oh, it stabilized okay. with quartz on the other side, you can yeah. grind it down as thick as you need to. Okay. Um, so that's the cutting process itself and then the lamination involves taking the layers and fully polishing the faces are going to be mated together mm-hmm. um and then i use a water clear uh, heat cured epoxy mm-hmm. then there's a little bit of a process for getting that laid down and getting all of the air bubbles out one of the reasons this doesn't work just with two naked stones is that um if there's not something between the two faces of the stones you get Weird light effects with mm-hmm. the air layer. The okay. air layer between the stones can actually distort. Um, there's a there's a pattern. It's called a mure pattern. Mm-hmm. That's like uh, if you take two transparencies and lay them one on top of the other, you get these weird rainbows and like grid effect that happens. Cool. Um, and that's the result of the sort of microscopic patterns in the material and the interaction with the light between those patterns and the thin layer of air between the two sheets.
3: Yeah, so it's changing the way light refracts. Yeah, so the it. same thing
4: happens with stones and the, one of the big reasons to use uh, an adhesive layer between them aside from obviously putting them together mm. is that it makes one solid uniform surface throughout with no air layer between which makes the colors truer and gets away from some of the weird
3: reflections and, and sort of distortion right. that you would see. Right. Yeah. That's really that's really cool. And then with the, the brass pieces themselves so you start with A sketch, and then you go into kind of into a wax phase, and then into a three D print, like prototype phase. Yeah. So
4: I really like um, fast prototyping, three D printing technology. Uh, The big reason is that I can sit down and carve a wax from start to finish. But if something needs to be changed, Mm -hmm. oftentimes you end up having to sit down and carve a completely new wax from start. Right. From start. Yeah. That eats up a lot of time. I can be working stones or running my business. Yeah. Um, so what I like to do is, I like to quick prototype from drawings to physical handmade models, mm-hmm. whether it's paper models, uh, really quickly carved wax models, or you know metal models. And then working out all of the details about how it's gonna be worn, what it's gonna be made from, the dimensions, the edges, things like that. Right. And then translating all of that into a 3D file that we can 3D print mm-hmm. the masters for. At that point, if we need to change anything, most of the details are worked out, most of the troubleshooting is done, mm-hmm. and then it's really easy for us to make what amount to small changes at that point that would otherwise be really big changes if right. I was having to make Because you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's a matter of establishing as, as many variables as possible at each stage mm-hmm. so that if you do have to back up, it's minimal. You right. know? you get five steps forward and then rather than having to go four steps back mm-hmm. you only have to go one step back yeah that saves a huge amount of time i'm sure yeah that's cool mm-hmm. yeah awesome well uh thanks for talking to me I yeah really thank you it. Uh, what's your website again for people listening one you
0: cool
3: awesome So just a, a quick note about One Tribe. Uh, they're one of those companies where you know every year you can go there and you, and you know that certain companies are really just gonna bring the creativity. You know, uh, you know that you can walk by the Gorilla Glass booth or the One Tribe booth or Tether or like a lot of different companies and like you just see all the work of the the last year. You know, like these people don't go home and just sit on their laurels and say like, okay, we're gonna crank out the same designs until the end of time. Like. You know, they're, they're sitting down, and there's a whole creative, artistic process. And it's just really amazing to see that, you know. So if you get a chance, definitely check out One Tribe's uh, social media. Uh, look them up on Instagram. And definitely check out the uh, the Topo, which is the picture that I'm going to use for this episode, and uh, the Soma. They're just really cool designs, and, and they're definitely worth a, a good look. So uh, next up is going to be a conversation with Joltron.
0: My name's Joel Tron. I own Opal Heart and Stoneheart Body Piercing, both APP member studios in Australia. So uh, your question was the misery of my last name mm. and pronunciation? So there's, there's been much discussion amongst Australian piercers specifically about the exact pronunciation okay. and whether we should call you Ryan Owlet, mm-hmm. as in like a baby owl, <laughs> or perhaps more along the lines of Ryan Omelette like something that you would use a baby owl's eggs to to create to, to create correct
3: so if i had to choose between the two correct. i'd probably go with the baby owl so cute. but the actual pronunciation of my name is wollet oh really it's yeah. a silent w yeah well
0: yeah it's like a french oh not a silent w it's yeah. a yeah, yeah. W, like a w a fernadian yeah fernadian yeah yeah fernadian kind of like uh, a pam? pam 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 that's like a like a like a secretary uh, it's from Step Brothers, when they're like, "Oh, Pam and Pam," <laughs> it's a silent M, Ham and I've seen that movie like ten times and I have no idea what scene okay. you're talking about. Yeah, when they do the interview and they're wearing tuxedos, yeah, and they're like stepping in front of each <laughs> like other, ventriloquist. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. All
3: right, so Joel Tron, it, mm. like, where did that come from? Was um, that just like pluck it out of the air because
0: you like the sound of it? No, well, yes. But it actually started many, many moons ago mm-hmm. before a before wee Joel was piercing. I was in a laser tagged professional level tournament. Okay. At the age of 16. They have professional laser tags. They most definitely do in Australia. Okay. It's fantastic. All right. Um, it was in a place called Laser Zone. Okay. Uh, Spelt with a Z, ironically. Right. Um, I was in a league tournament, and there was a, another Joel. And I could either be called Carrot. Okay. Right. Or they were just making up random fucking names for people. Okay. And because I'm kind of nerdy, and I kind of like the Tron movie, they were like, Are you going to be called Joltron? <laughs> um, and it stuck. Okay. And then I started piercing. And some of my first clientele were laser-tag my friends folk. from laser tag folks. Okay. Um, and of course they came in and they were like, Yeah, I'm here to see Joltron. <laughs> and it stuck. Huh. Well, I guess there are worse things. You could be like Owlette. Correct. Right. Or I could have a name with anal in it the that inspection. has anal in it. No, that has <laughs> anal in it.
3: <laughs> but anyway. But <laughs> so anyway. There we go. So with your conference experience, what mm-hmm. are some of the things you're looking forward to? Like, Do you do heavy on classes or are you heavy on expo or just like social side <sighs> It's a it?
0: little bit of both. Well, it's a little bit of all
3: three. It's the holy trifecta.
0: Yeah. I definitely enjoy education. I'm always one that keeps an open mind and knows that I'm not as good as I think that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to develop skill sets outside of what I'm exposed to is definitely, definitely my number one. Yeah. But to be honest, I'm here for the swag. Mm. Uh, I'm definitely grabbing a lot of fancy-ass jewelry. Yeah. Because being so far away from, from really anything good... In Australia yeah uh, our, our only real experience hands-on with jewelry and manufacturers X-Bone. is expo yeah so you know we make a big deal of it of, of getting pre-orders from our clients they tell tell us budgets and aesthetics that they're after and we try our best to kind of hunt them down and and fulfill their wishes that's cool um, as well as grabbing new fancy stuff that yeah. comes out yeah um, and just generally kind of chatting you know with the people that make our stuff because mm. at the end of the day we're really one of the few industries that's big enough to have multiple main distributors but we're small enough that we're still hands-on with them yeah we're not talking to sales reps it's not a faceless company precisely we're talking to the people that are in charge of making sure that our shit's good yeah and they listen to us which Mm -hmm. is the other thing and giving honest feedback i think is
3: is vital yeah yeah. And I mean, you've done some work with some of these companies, you yeah, know, totally. you had your macrodermals and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you did the work with Neo Metal and everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there's quite a few pieces um, made by BVLA as well that mm-hmm. I designed and Alchemy Adornments that I designed. Um, and definitely it's, for me, it's rewarding. It's good being able to, to see these people and, you know, chat about stuff and, and see it right through to fruition, you know. That's great. Yeah. And I'm
3: sure it helps like, you know, finding ways around, like, international shipping mm. and wait times and all that oh stuff, too. Mm. Wait times in Australia are ridiculous. Yeah. We,
0: we tell clients four to six months for a customer. Four to custom six order. months. And that's so that'll be, it. like, production time and,
3: like, getting through well, customs and shipping. The and
0: problem is we need to do bulk orders. Okay. So if we don't do an order under X amount, mm-hmm. then it isn't viable to have a sustainable business model. Right. So... You know we get bulk discounts the more that we order so we'll only do a specific order over five grand with okay. a specific company yeah or 10 grand with another company to get the bulk rates um and so if someone you know places a customer order three weeks into a big bulk order that we've done you know what i'm sorry but they have to wait until the next big bulk order because i either need to shoot myself in the foot mm-hmm. and make zero profit off it or I have to make them wait. And most clients are, are pretty understandable and, mm. and want to wait for quality.
3: Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure it makes it a little bit easier to describe it when you say, well, this is coming from a completely different country oh, and there are yeah. all these different challenges and things that slow down production. You know,
0: once, once you explain to somebody that this isn't just pumped out of... You know, uh, a manufacturing facility that's completely faceless. Mm-hmm. When you're like, people have to sit down and hand polish this stuff. Yeah, They have to hand set this stuff. They have to make sure that it meets our expectation to pass it on to you. They respect it and they understand. And the few people that don't really get it, as bad as it sounds, aren't necessarily our target demographic. Yeah, that makes you know, sense. As, yeah. as, as harsh as it sounds to almost cut off a certain percentage of clientele, if someone doesn't want to wait three months for some custom nipple jewelry, yeah. you know what, they're probably not going to want to pay the price tag that's associated to it, and we have alternatives in store that are, are potentially cheaper and significantly
3: quicker. Yeah, that works. I mean, if people, if people want the best in the world, you know, they oh. have to wait for it. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for talking to me. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. Uh, I think a, another interview that I'd really like to get uh, next time I'm in the same place as Joltron, or, or maybe do it over Skype or something, is to talk about StabPad. Um, if you're not familiar with it, a lot of people in the industry are using it. It's you know the broadest strokes you can describe it in is that it's a, a digital release form, um, but it's got a lot of functionality in the studio. And you know I, lo- I know a lot of people are trying to move away from uh, paper release forms, and that's really been a, a goal of mine for a while. And I just haven't. I just haven't been able to like actually get it done. So um, that's that's definitely one of those things that I want to do in the near future. Uh, and I'd really like to talk to Joltron about that some more in the future. But uh, listening to what he was saying uh, when we had that short conversation, it's just really hilarious uh, when you look back from just a few months ago, July, and his like, um, you know, high-end estimate for shipping times you know he'd tell people four to six months you know oh you know uh, you know on average three months like i would love to be able to just like go back to like an average of three months for a wait time like right now the average is turning into like four to six months you know and that, that's really the outlook for jewelry and it's getting kind of scary for a lot of piercers myself included you know I've really had to rethink you know what what are the brands I'm focusing on and you know I, do I even take custom orders at this point if it's going to be a half a year before the person's actually going to be able to put it in their body so um, that that's you know conversations for another day uh, next up we're going to get to coyote black and, and talk about some uh, different stuff related to the industry that's not necessarily body piercing
1: uh, my name's Coyote Black. I am the uh, head piercer at Mantis Piercing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, here also with Joel Tron, who's pinching me. <laughs> um, I am also the owner of Spectre, which we do uh, print media, digital media, all kinds of graphic design stuff that caters to the uh, piercing industry specifically.
3: And super villainy related to James Bond. Mostly. So, okay, uh, on the subject of names and possibly
1: made-up names, Coyote Black, legit name, or chosen uh, name? Hair metal band name. Okay. So, I was, uh, jeez, how long have I been doing this? Seven years ago before I got married, I was in a hair metal band, and uh, this is the name that I got pinned with, and came up with, and it stuck. Kind of like Joel Tron, but hair, more hair metal, like, if you listen to Poison. Yeah. What's you know? hair
0: metal? Uh, For those that, that don't understand the so, so
1: Joel's from Australia and he doesn't have music. Uh, the <laughs> we don't
0: even have like United hair.
1: States hair metal movement in the 1980s was Motley Crue, Poison, Poison uh, Wasp. Skid Row. Like, yeah, Skid Row's a good one. Uh, I was in a hair metal band. I had long blonde hair. Probably to my belly button teased. You, know, you would have loved me. Uh, did you, you sing or did play you, you play an instrument? Uh, I play guitar. Yeah, I was uh, yeah the lead guitar player in a in a in a band. We did pretty good. We opened for a lot of the bands. We really liked to at Ooh. that time. So, yeah, LA like guns and all kinds of stuff like that. So, yeah, so I, I
3: think some piercers the last few years have been trying to look for like a secondary revenue stream. You know, whether it's uh, making jewelry displays or you know
1: doing graphic design things like that. So, talk a little bit about what Specter offers. So Specter. For me, was basically that it was a secondary revenue stream. But I think that there's a lot left on the table uh, in this industry. Uh, I, I know it's kind of broad, but whenever you look at how I taught a class with Jeff, actually it was also it was on high dollar sales, but it was about building sales and it was about kind of your place in this industry and who you are and kind of take a look at it and. If you look at I mean, what's the annual conference attendee numbers? A thousand? Uh, lately it's been between like a thousand and like twelve hundred. Good numbers, yeah. Right. Um, in the grand scheme of body piercing as a whole, not a not a huge number, right? No? Like, because yeah. that's that's a single state, yeah. a small state worth. Well yeah, if you right. compare
3: it to um, like at the same time they have did you see there's another conference for that T V show, Outland, Outlander or something no. like that? And no. they're like <laughs> two and a half, three times larger than our conference and they're just here just for like to, a fan fest for just a show. To fuck around. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So realize who you are, kind mm-hmm. of. Because if you're one of the people here and you know what this conference is, which I think it's safe to say that this is probably the pinnacle of body piercing as we know it. That'd agree. I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, that might be kind of indulgent sometimes to say that, but I think in an interview and we're talking about what conference really is, that's fair. The top 1,000 piercers who have ever lived probably have Who been. ever lived. Who've ever lived. Through all of history. Let's just talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Like, yeah. who are they? Who are the top 100 piercers who have ever lived? Mm-hmm. How many of them have been a conference? Most of them. Most of them, yeah. 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 How many conferences have been? 23? That's not a lot. Yeah. You know, it's a small, tight-knit thing. Where do you fit in on that? Uh, and what kind of impact are you making right, so what does your small industry need, well we're all coming up, right, we're all dealing with the jewelry wait times, we're all dealing with this, that the other thing we need marketing, we need people who understand this, we need graphic design, we need business cards, we need all of this there was a niche for it and I found it and I did it reasonably well enough that people enjoyed it and I approached it from the standpoint that I am from this industry and I'm Understanding what you need, to, We want things that look good. We're catering to a higher-end demographic, right? So here, right? I can do it for you. Yeah. Why would you go to Vistaprint? I'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be great. And it's
3: like a human being that you're talking to about what your concept is instead right. of and dealing with a template and getting frustrated.
1: And because we're so close-knit, most of the time you know the person on the other side. Yeah. You know? Hey, what are you after, bud? You know? It's, it's very one-on-one. It was a very easy market to come into, I don't feel like I've ever, you know, sometimes you feel like you have to be clever in business or something like this was never like that. It was very natural. People want to support their own Mm -hmm. and they came to me because they needed it. So it worked out, you know, and that was a good secondary revenue stream. It was just a a part of this market that needed filled, And there's a lot of those, Mm -hmm. right? The social media aspect of everything is another big one. We, we, We tried to get into that a little bit. It was difficult. Yeah. It it just is. I mean, things change. Things get bought out. Instagram got bought out by Facebook. The algorithms change. Things like that. But we've had good luck there, and we've done things for people there. But there's these little, tiny sections of this market where it's like, you might not make a fortune, but if you made an extra thirty grand a year, wouldn't it be worth it? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we were born for Specter. We yeah. just started. I mean, I I I started Specter from free to use software. I still use it. Mm-hmm. I don't even. I don't need, yeah, Joel, by the way, has lots of free-to-use yeah. things that are, <laughs> stab pad, <clears throat> which we use, uh, might be a rebranded one Spectre for <clears throat> Slyfy. Spectre pad. Spectre pad. Uh, Spectre alone the codename. You know, but it's, and that's, that's it, I, you know, I had free-to-use Photoshop software, essentially, mm. and it cost me nothing. Do you use GIMP? I use paint.net mm, on a PC. You're a bad person. I built an entire business off it for free. It was easy. But it, I taught myself how to use it. I never went to school for it, you know. And uh, it, it, like I said, I actually, I learned how to do it when I was in a band.
3: Yeah. Like, yeah, just because, I mean, you have to make flyers, shirts, flyers and logos websites, or whatever. And stickers. I
1: was apparently somehow the only one who was responsible enough to learn that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we figured that out. And then I just took that to this. And I, I was hard up one month. And I was like, well, hey, if you need business cards, I'll design them for you. And we'll print them, and I made maybe 50 bucks, and that was just the start of it. And this is two years ago, mm-hmm. and then two years later, we were a vendor at conference last year. I could not pierce anymore, just do Spectre, and actually not have most of the clients that we would probably maybe know by name mm-hmm. and still be okay, because it's made a decent enough name for itself. So Good. those markets are out there, and if, if you you know, are sitting at work at a slower volume shop, and you have the ability, and you have the time mm-hmm. do something
3: yeah yeah don't just hang out and just you know surf instagram
1: why waste your time yeah do something for your peers make the industry better right yeah. And uh, make some money. Cool. But
0: definitely interjecting on that as far as if you're busy, mm-hmm. you don't have time to do your social right. media aspect. You don't have time to do your business. That's
3: balance. why a lot of really successful shops have terrible social media totally. presence because they just don't have the time.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and that's, that's a big thing. And then that's part of what we kind of started to come in to do. It was like, well, it's not hard, mm-hmm. it's just a thing. Yeah. And You don't want to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't cost us anything to do it. So let's say I had an employee do something for a social media account. I'll pay them a cut of whatever it is. I make a little money. They make a little money. And then you get your the results that you're looking for mm-hmm. without having to touch anything. Yeah. And then everybody's happy, right? And we're not trying to gouge anybody. But it's it's easier that way to say, hey, here's what I'm good at. I'm good at piercing. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, that's great. So send us the pictures, and we'll take care of the rest of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. spend your
0: time doing what you're good at and what you
1: enjoy right, doing. Right.
3: Well, it's just like, you know, when when shops get really busy, they start, you know, maybe they'll pay someone else to do cleaning or they'll pay someone else to you know manage their jewelry inventory and
1: orders so it's like why not pay someone to handle social media which is a huge right. portion and, of the industry and now. and you know what car dealerships do it it's not mm-hmm. it, we're we're just such a young industry it's almost foreign to, to say well i don't have a hand in this so it's weird because it's my business and i'm not doing it but you and i have talked about it too and i said mm-hmm. look because one of the things you said to me was well your uh, you know employees are, are it's sometimes it's difficult to get content yeah sometimes they don't always want to take photos this that or whatever i say okay well we'll send a photographer out. Mm-hmm. What's it worth a month to get a photographer out there? Take a good set of photos, ten, fifteen photos for what? what one post a day would be half a month. Yeah. You know what? What's a reasonable price for that? Mm-hmm. You take that and multiply it by how many people. Big and, and this whole industry is going bigger as we go. We're having yeah. growing pains and this and that. But if you look at these people who own multiple shops. Who have the money to do this, but they don't have this kind of support? They're going to be looking for those outlets, and mm. if, if it's not going to get filled by somebody in the industry, it's going to be filled by somebody else. Yeah. So yeah. I would rather be there, and I think a lot of people would rather ge- have somebody in the industry. Well, deal it's got to it, be. Know? It,
3: there's got to be a big difference between. Going online and just finding like um, some some random company that will like farm it out to somebody versus somebody who knows the industry, right? And like knows the difference between good and bad and you it, know, exactly what works and, and what and doesn't. And that's
1: that's kind of the personal touch thing, but and that you know not to be so specific with the social media thing that applies to a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of these avenues like that that haven't been touched that are out there, and there's a lot of money left on the table. Yeah, you know, there is. Uh, very small handful of jewelry companies that we even trust right now Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot on the table without you you know somebody with money or means or a good business plan with investors is going to be able to come in and maybe start a jewelry company that's going to either smash or rival what we're doing right now yeah it's possible you know possible
3: but i i think it would be this is a conversation i was having kind of recently it would be really difficult for someone to do a startup that would be able to compete without having millions of dollars to to invest Um, but i think if you could take a company that's already maybe making jewelry but it's not necessarily good jewelry and then getting them to improve their production might actually
1: be a little bit of an easier struggle it depends i think i mean i've had kind i've actually had talks with stuff you know companies that do both mm-hmm. and what it kind of boils down to is sort of like what kind of jewelry company you would have you want to have a basics company mm-hmm. because what do you really need well you need a machinist yeah or a group of machinists this is what they do and you need to figure out your price points you need to do this that or the other thing but there there is a way to figure out what your bottom line is who you need to get and what quality level you need to be at mm-hmm. right sometimes it's easier to start that on your own if you get these investors even though it's millions but for some people a million dollars isn't a lot of money yeah it just depends you know that i liken that to cars all the time i like cars by the way p.s put that on the note here on the thing uh somebody who buys a let's just say a lamborghini aventador mm-hmm. sv right mm-hmm. how much does that car cost how would i know i'm asking you uh, $240,000. More than that. So $241,000. Let's, let's call it 400000 Okay. And they can spend that. So, How about this? How about, how about a Bugatti Veyron, right? I'm going to say $17 million. It, it is a million. Okay. Okay. A little over. A million dollars for Bugatti Veyron, right? So that person spends that money on the car. That person doesn't miss that amount of money. hmm wouldn't it be weird,
3: though, if that was, like, somebody who won the lottery and they won exactly a million dollars and they're like, I'm just going to get that one car and that,
1: that, that's it? That's me. I'm it. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, then you just live yeah, in it? Yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. But, but my point being is there's people, like, it, it might sound like a lot of money to us to say, oh, well, you need millions of dollars, but, I mean, a startup company for a couple million dollars isn't crazy. Yeah, but how
3: do you find that magical person who's driving around in a Bugatti and you're like, hey, let me give you a pitch. Make
1: body jewelry. Uh, well, you don't necessarily need to find the guy in the Bugatti, but you need to f- kind of go where the success is. And that's kind of what I've found, is to talk to people who have already been to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this industry, too, I've sat down with Sean Dell Del and talked to him at length. I yeah. mean, you know, we don't see eye on everything, but he's very successful, you know, and it's, it's that's, I would like to live his life, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Maybe yeah, potential. You know, who knows? But well, let's say let's say this. I would love to make the, maybe the money he makes. Yeah. Mean, you know, he's got a tattooed millionaire book, so he's mm. probably doing okay. Uh, I talk to him about it because he's kind of where I want to be, right? You can find those circles and see those people who are doing this well, right? It doesn't necessarily mean they have to flaunt it, but people who are succe- successful in the industry, you can you can seek them out. Yep. You know, it, it doesn't. Always have to be the flashiest guy, but you know, or go to the bank, you know. Yeah, if have you a good have a sales good pitch. business plan, yeah, it it is feasible. This is how any of these companies get started. You mm. don't have to come out of the gate being anatomical. Look at intrinsic, yeah. These guys have, have, have you know, taken this, ex- they, they've taken a client base, and they said, We're only gonna have this many, right? For better or worse, some people can't get in, some people can't, you know. I I wait x amount of time for jewelry and it's really consistent, mm-hmm. and they haven't gotten too big for their britches. But you know they're not spending trillions of dollars. They had a good plan, you know. Whatever pans out with that is fine. But it it was possible. Yeah, that's kind of my point. It is possible. You just have to sort of find your way into whatever you're you're doing there and make it make sense.
3: Mm-hmm. So this time next year you'll drive up in a Bugatti. Yeah, tossing out Rented.
1: for for yeah, what it's, it's Rented, for what it's worth. I have the Ferrari on uh, Tuesday. Okay, but just Tuesday. Only Wednesday, Tuesday. you're back to the nothing. Wednesday, I have the NSX. Okay, all right. <laughs>
3: uh, well, uh, Tuesday, I'm going to have nothing. Um, you can come with me. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. we can go out <laughs> into the desert, and then you can murder me and I, bury I'll me. Crash the car into the yeah.
1: dunes. Yeah. And that. All
3: right. Well, uh, so where can people find uh, Spectre online if they're interested in Spectre, Spectre
1: Spectrecards.com dot com. And uh, Instagram, Spectre cards. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Coyote Period Black. Uh, Mantis Piercing on Instagram. We're all over the place. So that's a lot of social media. We're out there.
3: All right. Thank you for talking to me. So that's going to wrap it up for this one. Uh, A lot of good points brought up by Coyote. You know, I think some people are kind of held back by their own success. You know, I, I know I get in points where I'm thinking like, oh, this is awesome. I'm doing so many piercings and I'm selling so much jewelry. But I'm not paying attention to the things that I really need to do to, to keep new customers walking through the door. You know, um, social media and, and Facebook. You know, people out there aren't psychics. You know, sometimes you have to reach out and say like, hey, you know, we offer a service that you might like. And if you don't have uh, time to put into it, or if, you know, if you put in a weak presentation, if you have a bad website, if you have bad social media, um, you know, people might not really give you a shot and realize that you have awesome piercings and awesome jewelry and an amazing staff or great tattooing or whatever. You know. Um, So, you know, if you have a little bit of extra money, you can use that money to to have somebody else help you out with that stuff, you know, whether it's hiring someone in-house or, you know, hiring a, a company like Spectre. I know that uh, my counter staff, you know they're they're not busy all day every day you know taking care of phone calls and and cleaning and, and trash and uh, you know booking and stuff. so they're they're handling social media when they're not doing something else you know they're taking pictures, they're adding to the Instagram story, they're getting me content for the website, you know they're they're doing different stuff like that so you know, pay attention to your your presentation and uh, not just your services. Um, so, just a couple of things that like pop into my head. Uh, talking to Coyote Black, who works at Mantis. Uh, there's a there's a wrestler named Ultra Mantis Black that wrestles for Chikara. Um Pretty interesting wrestler. I, I, I got to see them live uh, last month uh, on Halloween, actually. So, um, another thing related to wrestling and um, the the format of this particular episode, uh, it, it was pretty similar to um, a wrestler that does a podcast. Named Colt Cabana, and Colt uh, travels around and kind of does like the diary of a pro wrestler, and you know does independent shows every weekend and brings his recorder and, and talks to all these people backstage and just does these little like you know three, five, ten minute little snippets, uh, kind of you know showing you behind the curtain, you know no pun intended, of uh, of the wrestling lifestyle. So. Uh, I think maybe I'll try to do something like that in the future. I don't know. Like, give me some feedback on this episode. If you liked it, if you like having a couple of shorter interviews rather than one long interview, you know, let me know. You know, if you like that longer format with just one subject and one guest, you know, let me know that too. Um, you can email me, again, ryanpba at gmail.com. You can reach out to me on the Piercing Wizard Podcast Facebook page. Um, you can just message me on Facebook or Instagram for, you know, ryanpba and all that junk. But, you know, if you like this episode, let me know. Um, if you like the Colt Cabana-style episode, that, that'd be great to hear. Um, or if you like the Chris Jericho episode, which is kind of how I, uh, I format my other episodes. You know, I do an intro, and then I do one long interview, and then I do an outro. So let me know what you like, you know, because you're the people listening to the show, so I want to make it for you. Um, that's all I've got for this week. I'm, uh, getting ready to head off to Portland and next week I'm going to have that really good interview with Victoria Rothman. Victoria is definitely one of those, um, you know, top 10 piercers to keep your eye on in 2019, uh, you know, along with, uh, Baron and Lola Slider and, 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 a couple others. So I'm really excited to give, uh, Victoria a, a chance to, uh, you know, have her voice be heard. So tune into that next week. That should be a really good one. And thank you for listening.